Well, good morning, everyone. Don't you just love the children? Oh, my, it never fails. There's always the entertainer that steals the show. And then there's the one that, you know, you can't help but just take videos and pictures of because they're like, I ain't singing, I ain't moving, I ain't doing nothing. I love it so much. Give them one more praise. So thankful for them. So good to see all of you. Praise the Lord. I sound a little echoey up here, so if you can fix that, that would be awesome. Well, I tell you what, Christmas is almost here, you guys. We are days, how many knows how many day away we are? I don't even, six, those are the diehard Christmas people. We're six days away, but listen, this Thursday is our annual Christmas Eve Eve service. So bring your friends, bring your families, bring your neighbors. It's a one-hour traditional um, service. We sing Christmas songs, and we obviously lift up Jesus. And it's the best time to bring people that you are maybe afraid to be exposed to the charismatic um, because it's just a traditional service. And then afterwards, we have a wonderful time. We've got the North Pole this year, and uh, I don't know who's going to play Santa. I don't know. Who it's going to be, I don't know. But anyway, um, so we're going to have a good time. We've got a train ride. We've got a petting zoo, food, a special little uh, table for the kids for their own cocoa and treats. And it's going to be a wonderful time. And I just invite you all to come out. Amen? All right. I want to, before I make this next announcement, are all the children out of the sanctuary? Is everybody gone? Okay. Just want to make sure. So um, as you, I don't know if any of you saw online, but um, our church was blessed with the opportunity for someone to win a free vehicle. And one of our ladies did, and she's in the children's ministry, is Patricia. Um, but yes, hallelujah. She's a single mother, and they do not have a car, and this is just so awesome that God blessed her. And so what she doesn't know is um, the car is coming today. So after church, they're going to pull up, and we're all going to surprise her today. So if you could stick around for a few minutes and just celebrate with her. And the gentleman is a Christian that's donating it. He owns a car auto shop, and he texted us uh, early yesterday and said that he sent pictures of his shop was broken into. Um, They stole cars. They stole air conditioners. And he said, I'm not going to be able to make it. And, of course, we understood. And then last night I get a text from Titus, I don't know, about 9 o'clock. And and, um, Henry texts us back and he says, you know what? The devil's not going to win. I'm going to be there. So (laughs) praise God. So he's going to come and just bless her. And I couldn't be more happy that someone won it from our ministry. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, well, let's get into our teaching this morning. We are on the final week of the gift, this message I've been teaching the last few weeks. And if you've not been here and not been able to hear the previous messages, I just highly encourage you to jump online. They're only like, I think, 40 minutes long. You can put it on while you're in the car and really catch up because I've been talking about the gifts that have been presented to Jesus, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. And today we're going to be talking about the gold portion of it. And my uh, title is called a king like no other how many know we serve an amazing king there are a lot of kings in the world you know there's a lot of kings but there's nothing like the king 
that we serve Jesus. And so we're just so honored that we have Jesus in our life. And so in this story, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. And it says this, when they, the wise men, or we call them magi was their name, saw the star, they were filled with joy. Why? Because it was the prophecy unfolding. Is this really the Messiah that was talked about 700 years prior? Verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Everybody say that part together. Bowed down and worshipped him. There was a reverence that was coming because they knew he was the called son of God. Then they opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we've been studying very briefly, but the practical senses of these gifts and also the spiritual application, how it's prophetic and foretelling of Jesus's life. And so frankincense, we learned the first week was the incense that they would burn in the tabernacle for uh, worship unto God. It was symbolic of Jesus being our high priest. He's the mediator between us and God. The Bible says that he sits at the right hand of God, still making intercession for us today. How many are thankful for the great high priest? Thank you that Jesus is still watching over me because I need lots of prayer. Hallelujah. You know, I, was, I used to be very accident prone. I'm not so much anymore. I don't know what happened. But I literally have, I could write a book of my stories. They're actually super funny. And matter of fact, I've traveled with these group of girls qu quite a bit. And I'd always do something crazy. Like we'd be hysterically laughing. But it was to my fault. I'd trip or fall or break something or whatever. So one of our pastor's ladies said, you know, she was real spiritual. We just need to pray tragedies off of you. And one of the ladies goes, don't you dare do that. Like, she brings joy to us everywhere she goes. <laughs> so my other girlfriend said that I, they think that the naughty angels in heaven have to watch me for like a week. That's their punishment because they're always having to safeguard me. But anyway, in the frankincense, thank God we have a mediator Jesus, amen, who stands in the gap for us. And then we learned about the myrrh last week and how Jesus is the suffering servant. And he was the lamb of God that laid his life down for us. Aren't we so thankful for a savior in our life today? And now it's the gold. And the gold, when they presented it to Jesus, was so symbolic. It was very costly. It was given to someone that was represented of value. Um, it was a scarcity back in that time. So if they had the gold to give away, it was something that they really met with honor. It was given with royalty. Um, and it was long-lasting, you know, as gold is long-lasting. And so gold represented Jesus as the king for an everlasting time. Isn't that beautiful? So the gifts that were brought to Jesus wasn't just some, oh, we talk about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold is representing that Jesus sits on the throne, and he will live as the king of kings and lord of lords for eternity. Amen. So Jesus is a king like no other. No one can compare. In 1 Timothy 6.15, it says this, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't just serve a king. We serve the King of kings. 
We don't just serve a Lord. We serve the Lord of all lords. I just finished up Downton Abbey. Has anybody ever seen that? It's like my round two going to. And the lords, they managed estates and they managed employees. And, and if you look at the king, that king is the foundation of power. The king is the ruler of the, um, of the land and of the whatever, the region, right? And so God is, Jesus is the king of the all region of the supernatural, but he's also the lord of the natural. He He's the Lord of Lords. We serve a super anointed, amazing God. Amen. And if you look at this scripture, it talks about supreme authority over all the kingdoms of this earth and of the spiritual realm. This is the God that we serve. He has all authority here on earth, here in the spiritual realm. He is a king like no other, amen? He's in charge. He sits on the throne. His promises are yes, and they are amen. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God that's changed his mind. We don't serve a God of just an old story. We serve a king, a king of kings, amen. He is our Lord of lords. He is dominant in every area of our life if we will allow ourselves to be submitted to him. And what's so beautiful about this is Jesus came as the king. The, the king prophesied. And the Jews expected when that king was going to come, he was going to be born in a palace. The Jews expected him to be rich and have the, the purple linen and he would have wealth and luxury and all the things that would look like a king in their eyes. No one expected this king to be born into poverty. Nobody expected this king to be born in a cave and around farm animals. But Jesus came as the king, but he humbled himself as a man to lay his life down. They didn't expect the Savior, the Messiah, to come from Nazareth. The Bible says, and, and, and uh, Nathaniel says this, does anything good come from Nazareth? Now, I want you to look at this scripture verse with Nathaniel because Nathaniel had this time in his life where he was pondering. He was sitting under a fig tree in his life, and, and theologians would say that he was pondering the coming Messiah. Is the promise ever going to come? There was something aching on the inside of him, something missing as he sat under the fig tree. I want to ask you this morning, is anybody there right now sitting under this fig tree where there's no, there's no fruit being produced, longing, wanting more from life and going, when is the promise going to come? And when Jesus walked up and, and his friend, I think, I, let me see if I have the scripture verse here. I probably don't, but John 1 verses 45 talks about um, when Jesus came, he said to Nathaniel, why is it that you're troubled? He said, I see in you that you're a man of good character. He spoke to something inside of Nathaniel that Nathaniel had not shared with anyone. And, he, and Nathaniel looked at Jesus and said, how do you know that about me? He realized that this was the Messiah. There was a breakthrough. Jesus had a supernatural insight into Nathaniel's character. And God has that insight into your life today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, you may feel alone and separated and saying, God, where's the promise? Where's the breakthrough? And there's something longing on the inside of you. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords is here for you today. He knows what's going on on the inside of you. He's the one with the answer. He's the one with the healing. He's the one with the hope. I don't have to look to the world to satisfy me or bring me joy or give me validation. All I need is my king. I need my king. I need my Lord. And when you get that revelation of Jesus in your life, he will become everything to you that you need. 
And everything else that you think you need isn't going to be important anymore because the king has to be the one to fulfill the longings of your heart. No one predicted that the son of God, the king of glory, would befriend prostitutes. No one thought a king would touch lepers. No one thought a king would um, love the the religious ones, love the ones the religious rejected. Jesus came as a king, but he came to touch and to change lives. They were looking for a king another way, and Jesus says, I'm coming on, on behalf of my father to change a hurting and a dying world. They never imagined that he'd choose uneducated fishermen. We have this mindset, well, Jesus picks the elite, and Jesus picks the super spiritual. Jesus showed us what he did. He picked the unlovable, the unlikable, the ones that nobody else would ever choose. Jesus went to the uneducated fishermen, the, a king. Jesus is not untouchable. He's not so far away in a fairy tale land that you think he can't reach you. He came for you. He came to touch you right where you're at. Amen. He came for the rebellious troublemakers, the disciples. <laughs> he was a king that forgave a woman caught in the very act of adultery. He was a king that showed grace to a woman on the streets. And all this time showing love and mercy, at the same time he confronted hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He overturned the tables at the temple when they were taking advantage of the money. They never imagined that a king would come riding in Jerusalem on a donkey. It was prophesied in Zechariah that he, a, lowly creature, a, lowly, a man would come riding on a lowly creature. Prophesied about Jesus. They didn't expect a king to be on a donkey. No one imagined that an innocent king would be beaten and scourged and bruised and whipped and stripped naked and put into shame. They never imagined when they brought that gold to that baby at that moment that they were prophesying that this king would lay his life down for the world. Never understanding it in that moment. Never understanding that he was put on an instrument of torture, the cross, was meant for slaves and sinners. And the whole time that he was mocked and spit at and ridiculed, his heart of compassion for people, the king that was laying his life down, at that same time they were mocking him, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the love of the king that we serve. No matter where you're at and what you've done and how far away you think you are from God, God says, I love you. Father, forgive them. Our responsibility is to come to him, and we'll go over that here at the end of my message, but Jesus came as a king to lay his life down for you. He didn't come to be lauded as a king. He came to let the sins of the world be upon his shoulders. He came for our guilt and our shame. The story of Christmas isn't about this Jesus in a manger. That's where it started. But our story is about this king that has risen from the dead, a king that laid his life down. That's why we live for Jesus every day is for this king, not this baby Jesus. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Into my hands I commit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. No one expected that king that was called to rule and reign to come and to die. But at that moment when he died, the earth shook, the sky grew dark, and the world lost its hope. No one would have believed that royalty, this king, would be buried in a borrowed grave. 
No one expected that three days later, the stone would be rolled away and Jesus would be resurrected from, his, this, uh, from death in the grave. His body wasn't there anymore. He has risen from the dead. Our king is alive and he sits on the throne. Our king is alive. Jesus is alive and he's real and he's our king. Jesus is a king like no other. I said this last week, but prophecy has been fulfilled through the word of God over and over about the coming Messiah, about how the world would have these turn of events. It's the only written manuscript that has been fulfilled prophecy 100% to this day. The word of God is living and it's true and it's powerful. What I want to look at this morning is there's three responses that they had to Jesus when he was born. And as I share these with you this morning, I want us to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, do I fall in any one of these categories? Is there places in my heart, as we're coming into 2021, 2022, like everything's a blur the last couple years, but as we're coming into 2022, it's the year of awakening. It's the year of God doing something that we've never seen before. There's a move of the Holy Spirit that's coming to this earth and coming to America and coming to Faith Builders Church in North Phoenix, Arizona. And we've got to ask ourselves, is my heart where it needs to be with my king? Is my heart positioned for this Jesus that laid his life down and gave it all away? Or have I grown cold? Have I waned away from my faith? Have I become apathetic in my life? Have I become lazadaisical in the things of the kingdom? This isn't my an- questions to answer. It's all of our questions to answer. Where are you today in your walk with Jesus? So three responses. And 2,000 years later, I find that many people have the same response to the message of Jesus. Number one is this. Herod opposed Jesus as king. He opposed him. As soon as he heard about Jesus being born, he sent out and killed all the children two years and under. There was a resistance to this Jesus. There was an opposing to the message of Jesus. And are we there or do we know people that's there is, I don't need religion. I'm fine on my own. I don't want to lose control. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm fine with Jesus, and we resist this conviction of the Holy Spirit. Are we resisting this moment where God is calling our hearts for change, calling our hearts to be compassionate for him and for the message of Jesus Christ? Are we weighing the way that we're opposing this voice of the spirit of conviction that we're so used to living how we live that we don't want God to mess with me? Don't get in my business, God. I'm fine just the way that it is. It's exactly how Herod was. I'm resisting this Jesus. I'll do whatever it takes to stop him from coming into my life because I want control. The second thing that we see 2,000 years ago is the Jewish priests dismissed him as king. They dismissed him. In, um, I think it's Micah 5.2, it says this, the prophecy. But you, Bethlehem... Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from the ancient times. There's one that's coming, and they were expected. And guess what? They were five miles away where Jesus was born, and none of them showed up. 
None of them showed up. They dismissed even the prophecy. They understood the scripture. They understood the prophecy. They knew that this Messiah was coming, but they dismissed it as, ah, oh, he's really not the king. Uh, I don't really need to do that. How many of us, we invite people to church, we invite them to God. Hey, you know, your life is struggling, you're going through things. Come to Faith Builders, you're going to get your life changed, and, and God needs to get in you, and God needs to change you, and eh, I'm okay. I, I don't need religion. It's not a, I'm opposed to, it's just, eh, I'm going to dismiss it. I'm not ready for that in my life yet. Tell people, man, the word of God is powerful and living, sharper than a two-edged sword. The power of the word of God can set you free. The word of God gives you healing and hope and stirs up your faith. God's word is amazing. Do you read the word of God? Eh. I'm too busy. Eh, I don't need the Bible. It's a dismissing. My heart is like, ah, I just don't need that right now. When I'm ready, I'll be ready. Right? Would you like to be a part of a mission that's changing a city for Jesus Christ? Sharing the good news and reaching the lost and dying world with hope. Amen. A movement and a revival of God. Being generous to build the kingdom of God. Being generous with our time. Being available to serve. Showing up. Serving and doing what God's called us to do. Let's do something for God. Eh. just come once a month. Eh, I'll show up when I feel like it. Now, do I, am I saying this today because it feels good as a pastor to say this? No way. I would much rather tell you how good you are and wonderful you are, but there is a tide turning of the Holy Spirit. There's a tide turning. It's not a time to go, eh, I'll just take what I can get from God. This isn't guilt and condemnation. I'm sharing this with boldness because I know what the Holy Spirit is doing. I know what he's saying to our hearts. I know what he's speaking because he's speaking the same thing to me. It is my job as the pastor to challenge you, to provoke you, to put a little fire underneath you. Amen. It's time for the church to awaken. The church has been lulled to sleep, and not just faith builders, the church of Jesus. We've got to awaken as to why we are here on earth. It is for our King of kings. It is for the Lord of lords, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, sharing your story of salvation and how God changed you. That's what it's all about. But we've got to break that dismissive like, well, I'm just too busy right now. It's a hard issue, isn't it? It's a hard issue. Our 21 day of fasting and prayer is coming up. Eh, that's for the pastors and elders. Let them pray over the church. We're coming to church three nights in the month of January to pray. Eh, no, eh, I'll pray from home. Where's the heart? Now, if you work, you know, you understand what I'm saying. There are times you can't be, but I'm just saying, where's the heart? Are we dismissing God? Are we tuning our ears away from that call that he's calling us to? And then let's look this morning at the third response. And it was the wise men. And what did they do? They bowed down to their king. They bowed down and humble and submission to the king. And they said, here I am, king. Here I am. I'm submitted to your will, your way, my time, my resources. My ability, I'm going to bow down to the king. When you bow down, it's the highest form of worship. Yes. 
You're saying to this king, all that you are, I submit myself to. It's the ultimate posture of surrender and submission. It's a challenging one. It's a challenging one to say, I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. And I'm not just talking about salvation for eternity. Praise God we get that. But I'm talking about for the kingdom. Will we lay down our time? Will we lay down serving in the kingdom? Will we take time to have coffee with someone and share the message of Jesus Christ? Will we unsettle our world to reach a lost and dying world? Why? Because we serve a king who has all the answers. We serve a king that the world is looking for. Just like the Bible of old, they didn't know what to recognize as a king. They don't know what they need until they encounter him. You know the story of my dad when he got saved, he got so radically born again, and he came into contact with this guy that didn't believe in Jesus. I don't know if he was an antichrist or whatever. Antichrist, is that the right word? Atheist, that's the word I'm thinking. Not antichrist. Yeah, my dad met the Antichrist. <laughs> I'll share the secret later. <laughs> he was an atheist. And so they sat down and went back and forth. You know, what about this and that? And that my dad shared the word, shared the word. And finally, after about an hour, the guy goes, you don't have to say anything else to me. He said, I believe Jesus is real. And my dad was so taken back. And he said, well, can I ask you what was it that I said? Because if I encounter this again, I kind of want to know what it was. And the guy said this, he goes, it's nothing that you said. I can see him in your eyes. See, we've got to get out of this mentality that people need all this. They don't. They just need to know it's real. And they need to know he's real for you. And he needs to know that Jesus changed and touched your life. Because that's what really changes people's lives. Not ritualistic things. It's the real, you got in my heart and in my life. And you met me where I'm at, Jesus. I'm confused and I'm lonely and I'm broken and I feel abandoned. And Jesus comes right in those moments of your life when you humble yourself before him. But Jesus cannot come into your life until you humble yourself and say, I need a savior. Jesus, you paid it all. You laid your life down for me and I'm going to receive the gift. I have to say yes to Jesus. You can't oppose him. You can't dismiss him. You got to bow yourself down to him. And you don't have to have it all figured out. Those of you that have been serving Jesus a certain amount of time, did you have it all figured out when you got saved? Heck no. All I know is I needed this Jesus. I needed this Jesus to change my heart and change my life. There's nothing that the world can offer you that Jesus didn't already give you. Every precious promise and word you need is in the word of God. Because it is true. The word of God is living and powerful. And we have that word to change and transform our life. So is Jesus the king of your heart? Amen. Not the king of our church attendance. Is he the king of my heart? Is Jesus present in my home? Is Jesus a part of my Monday through Saturday? Just, just in that relationship, I'm not talking about having church service. But I'm talking about letting him be pr present in your life. It's one thing to know about Jesus and it's another thing to know him. And that's what I'm talking about here today. Many of us are like Nathaniel. He longed for something more. And he sat under an unfruitful tree longing for more. How long will we sit under that tree that we don't recognize Jesus as our Savior and Jesus as our Lord? Amen.
God isn't distant in your life. He's not uninvolved. He's not judging. He's not the good man upstairs, the big guy in the sky. Amen. Jesus is the king. The Bible says he's the king of glory. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of ages, of all the kings. Jesus is the king that heals the sick. He opens blind eyes. He heals deaf ears. He strengthens you when you're weak. He delivers you when you're bound by captivity. He restores the broken. He gives life back to you again. He causes you to dream and hope and feel alive. This is the Jesus king that we serve. It's an irresistible grace that we need to grab in our life. The power of this king is incomprehensible, and yet it's so powerful. In the presence of darkness, demons flees in the presence of God. I believe we're coming into a time in the kingdom where we'll just walk among people and spirits will just come right out of them. It's not going to be pulpit ministry in this time to come. This will be strategizing and casting vision, but you're going to walk in your workplace and people are going to be set free, laid out in the Holy Spirit. People are going to be weeping and say, what must I do to be saved? This is a move of God that's coming, but the church has to awaken. The church has to come alive once again. we got to shake off our apathy. Shake off the disappointments of the past and step into this new relationship with Jesus. Amen. I'm going to close with this this morning. Jesus came as a king and humbled himself as a man. But in Revelations, Jesus is coming back again. And I want to read this scripture verse to you. And it says in Revelations 19, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. He ain't on a donkey anymore. He's our resurrected king, and he's coming back on a white horse, and he's going to break open the eastern sky to come back for his church. He's our king. He's not broken, and he's not a baby. He is a king. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Woo! Jesus is the Word. He's the power in your life. He's the thing that will change and transform you. Nothing in this world can give it to you. No amount of alcohol, drugs, physical pleasures, psychic reading, tarot cards, none of that has truth. Jesus is the word of God. Woo! And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on the white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with, with it he, call, he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, and he himself will tread the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. He's not coming as a humble priest. He's coming back as a king and with wrath against sin and judgment against this world. And on, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. 
It is tattooed. Those that don't believe in tattoos, I think Jesus is going to have a tattoo. King of kings, Lord of lords. It is written. You can't take away who he is. He is the king almighty, and he reigns, and he rules, and he sets free, and he heals, and he delivers, and he restores. Hallelujah. I need that Jesus in my life. I don't need baby Jesus in my life. I'm thankful he was born, but what redeemed my life was that cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection. The reason why he came was because of that cross. And that's why we serve our king that was given gold today. Amen. I want us to close our eyes. Father, I thank you today for this moment right here, right now. And I want to challenge you, just talk to the Lord. Maybe you've been dismissing his voice. Maybe you've actually opposed him. I don't know where you're at today, but I want you to humble your heart and say, God, I will submit to you, Jesus. I will humble myself to you as the king, as a mighty warrior. And you need to give your life to Jesus and receive this Savior. And it's a free gift, but you've got to say yes. And let God figure the rest out. Don't worry about all the answers. Don't worry about figuring it all out. Just let Jesus come and settle into your life. I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin, my apathy, complacency, any places that I've dismissed you or opposed you. I give it to you now. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Amen. With all eyes bowed, all eyes closed and heads bowed, who said that prayer this morning? No matter what states, raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Literally all over this room, thank you. I think we all can have our hands up, amen. Literally all of us can have a better place with the Lord. Father, I thank you today for this amazing messages that we have. Jesus, you are in charge of their lives. You are in charge of their families. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in the remainder of this year. Let bless Blessings come, let favor come, let your anointing come, Father God. And as we step into this new year, 2022, God, we're going to step in expecting the supernatural move of God in and through our lives. And we're always careful to give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. I'm going to welcome Pastor Paul to close out the service.